that you have given us. Thank you for your extravagant love poured upon us in this moment and every day. Thank you for making a difference in our lives and for the reality of your truth that we live by. We just pray that this morning you'll be present, you'll come and break the bread of life to our hearts once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Speaking still about the Word and the power of the Word and looking at stories in the Bible, we learned some things from about what was spoken. And we have been talking about this for quite a while. And (laughs) um, we we don't want to just talk about it, do we? We want to learn to transfer it into our daily living transferred into our daily living where we begin to actually take God's word and apply it to ourselves. It's easy to apply it to everybody else. Somehow it's easier to apply it to everybody else but and harder to apply it to ourselves. And that's the that's the exercise that we have to be involved in daily. That's the most important exercise. I mean, the Bible says bodily exercise profits profits a little, but this is the exercise that will gain us eternal, eternal way to glory. And that's that's what we want, right? Our goal is home in heaven. And so God has left us, the Lord has left us with his word to follow, to obey, to walk in, and to make reality in our in our living. And so that's our job. That's that's what he's left us with to do. And of course, it's not our works that save us. We understand that. It's not what we do that saves us. But as he's in our lives and we're in relationship with him and we're walking with him, we want to walk pleasing in his sight. And so we find that his word, as I say, his word works. The word works. And when we take his word and apply it to ourselves and our life and our own hearts, we find miracles take place all around us. And that's the way it works. It does work. <laughs> the word works. And that should, that, that alone should, should fill us with such excitement because there's no other remedy like that in this world. You can go to all the psychiatrists, all the counseling sessions. You can go to every pastor. You can go wherever, you, wherever you want. Every seminar, every, every whatever, whatever. There, and there's, there's a lot of good stuff in our world. I'm not saying it's all bad. You can glean good things from, 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 from everything. But what works in our situations, in our hearts, what, what changes, what brings change, and what brings the solution, always is God's word. God's word applied to my heart is what brings the desired result. People pay big money to learn how to speak positive things in their lives. They join these, they join these, there's, there's these big uh, MLM companies now that are into this um, positive confession stuff and, you know, they're just, they're pumping people up with, with positive stuff, which again, you can't say that that's bad, not necessarily, but when you make a religion out of it, it's bad. And that's what people do. It's their God. It's what they, it's what they worship and what they live by. It does benefit them some, of course. But the Word, (laughs) the Word works in our psyche and in our spirit man things that nothing else can do. The seed is incorruptible. The seed of the Word of God is incorruptible. It doesn't die. And we forget that. 
We think it's up to us and our efforts that the kingdom of God grows. And yeah, we have to do, we have to be obedient, but it's not up to us. It's not up to you and me. The word is what's incorruptible. We sow the seed. We sow the seed. We break the, we sow the seed of the word of God. It's incorruptible. It doesn't die. All of a sudden, there's going to come a shower of rain on that seed, and the sun of righteousness is going to shine on that seed, and there's going to come a sprout. And people may be far removed from when we planted the seed, but it's the incorruptible seed of the word of God, and it doesn't die. God said his word doesn't return void. So that releases us from um, that anxiety <laughs> that unless we accomplish all of this, 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 and this, you know, we're a failure or we're not, you know, whatever. God never said that that was how it was going to be. Did Jesus see a great harvest before he died? All of his disciples forsook him and fled. From the natural standpoint, everybody could say he was a failure. Even the people who he sowed all his, all his best, best into, denied him, betrayed him, and and left him. Right? Yeah. From the natural standpoint, I'm just saying, from the natural, in the natural realm, it looked like his life was just a waste and total failure. But that wasn't the end of the story, right? It wasn't the end of the story. Amen. And neither is it with us. We sow good seed. We follow him. We apply the word to our lives. We sow good seed. We follow him. We apply his word to our lives. We keep at it. We keep at it because we know the seed is incorruptible. And he's the one who gives the increase. And nothing we do for him goes unnoticed, un- unrewarded. He said even a cup of cold water in his name would, would be rewarded. And so that's, that's the knowledge. That's, we walk in that truth and we say, I know. I know, I know whom I have believed. I know my God. And it causes us to walk in more, in more truth, in more truth. And you know, as we, as we take a little bit of word that we understand and start to apply it, God entrusts us with a little more. He doesn't wham us with it all at one time and say, now, you know, get it all straight. He knows our makeup. He knows that we can only, um, take You know, grow little by little, step by step, just like the plants, right? You don't have a big oak tree overnight. It grows from an acorn to a seedling, and it takes time. Everything takes time. And he's a patient. He says he has long patience, right? You know, and we want to write people off. No, we can't. We can't go through our life writing people off. We have to continue patiently watering, sowing, planting, nurturing, 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 and as we do, as we do, good things are, can take place. Every word we speak has a, has an effect. It creates, it creates an atmosphere all around us. So we're speaking negative words, we're speaking down, we're speaking things that are not good, not true, not, not, what does it say? Think on these things. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. That's not even even yet coming out of our mouth. It's telling us what to what to think on, what to dwell on. Well, we can all improve in that, right? Because there's times where we dwell on stuff that is just from 
the pit of hell. I don't know how else to say it to you. Instead of feasting on thinking on God's word. And it does, it does change what goes on all around us. And so it's a choice. It's a continual choice. It's not just a one-time choice. It's not we just don't take a course and say, okay, now I got it. No. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? It's a continual, that's the daily part of it. It's the daily walking in truth, walking in his word. When we're tempted to be negative and dwell on the negative, we're all going to be tempted to do that. That's We don't feel condemned for that. But when we're tempted, then we have to turn. We have to choose. We have to say, no, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. I am redeemed. I am blood-bought. And we have to start taking the steps. So being tempted isn't sin, but sitting down in it is. Right? Okay, we know the difference. So we were looking at um, the life of Elijah there, and um, we can turn it, we're in First Kings, and Elijah, of course, was a mighty prophet, wasn't he? And God used him to um, speak to Israel at a time when Ahab was the king, or Ahaz was it? Ahab, and his wife Jezebel. Jezebel was a very <laughs> evil woman. Doesn't know when you even say the name Jezebel, not, not not good things come to mind. We had talked, I believe, the last time that I was with you, that about how Elijah had said it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. Then he disappeared from from the scene, and his words came true. So we know that he was a true prophet. That's the Bible tells us how we discern whether it's a whether it's truth or not. And then. Elijah goes, went to the widow woman. I'm just kind of recapping where we were the last time. And he told her to, um, make him some, some breakfast, some, uh, make him a meal, make him a pancake, and then make her son and her, and herself one afterwards. And she obeyed. And it happened that, um, because she obeyed his words again, she could have said, who is this nutty, crazy, crazy man here? But she didn't. She obeyed. She recognized the voice of the Lord. And that's so a crucial, such a crucial piece. Again, I just want to say it to us because we need to know the difference between the voice of the Lord and the voice of the enemy. There's a lot of familiar spirits around. And it's easy to be deceived. And it's easy to be thinking that you're hearing from God when you're not. And we need to learn to know the voice of the Lord. How does that happen? It happens by reading through his, by meditating on his word, by being in his word. If we're in his, obeying his word, reading his word, meditating in his word, we get to know the voice of the Lord, not just the voice of anything else and everything else. And that's, it's crucial. You can blow it off, but it's crucial. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, been a flower. And so then he said to her, because you've obeyed, there's going to be provision. And here again, we see a principle, a law of the kingdom of heaven. When we obey what God has put in our way to obey, you know, he gives us simple things to do and obey. He gives us one little instruction and he says, let me see if they'll do that. And he waits. He doesn't download a hundred more megabytes of (laughs) instruction. He waits for us to obey the one that he's given us. 
And when we obey, then he says, okay, now you're ready for another piece. That's it. It's simple. Walking with the Lord is not rocket science, as they say. It's not difficult to figure out. It's not, it's not complicated. It's, his, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He walks with us and he talks with us. And we apply his word. And when we obey, obedience brings more light, more he'll, then he'll, he'll trust us with another piece. And then he'll trust us with another piece. It's, it's real simple. It's not real hard. But when we disobey, when we refuse to obey, when we're stubborn and we say, no, I'll do it my way, my way is the right way, and if everybody would just listen to me, uh, every, the world would be okay, well, that's a problem. <laughs> we don't get where we want to get so desperately. And so that's truth. So this little widow woman, she does what he says, and like I said, she didn't have to. She didn't have to, but she did what he said. And it gave, it brought God's provision into her life in a time when she probably would have just died. Are we getting that? She probably would have just died had she not obeyed. You know, we forget the consequences of not obeying the simple thing that God's already told us to do. There's a consequence. Maybe not to our physical life. In this case, it would have been to our physical life. And sometimes it is to our physical life. There's a consequence to not obeying the simple things God has already showed us to do. And the other is true. There's a, there's a, tr- tr- the blessing and the tremendous, one, wonderful door that it opens when we do step in and obey is it, phenomenal. It's, it's phenomenal. It's beyond all that we can ask, think, or imagine. And so, just, we need to learn. So what happened after these things, then her son got sick. You remember that. And then Elijah went and prayed over him, and he was raised up. And then, of course, uh, I think this is where we stopped him. He meets up with a servant of Ahab, and they, because Ahab was looking for him. It was like three years now, no rain, everything was drying up, people were dying, animals were dying, no crops were growing. And it was barren time, and, and Ahab was like, where is that prophet? i got to find that prophet. Where could he go? He must be here somewhere. If I could just find him. Finally, his servant, Obadiah, find, runs into Elijah, and Elijah says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, talk with your master, master today. And Obadiah says, what have I done to you? What are you trying to do, get me killed? You disappear for like, you, you appear and then you disappear and, and if I go and tell him I saw you and not, but, but you're not with me, he's gonna kill me. He says, no, no, he says, for sure, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to him today. And he says, okay. And you, then we, I, I know we did talk about this a little bit too, was that when Ahab sets eyes on Elijah, he says to him, First Kings 18, and then it yes, 17, 18, eight, chapter 18, verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? This is a tactic of the enemy yes. that is ongoing in our lives to this moment. What, did ha- what happened there? And that's what the enemy is, always tries to do. Take the truth and turn it and twist it against against us incorrectly we have to be it says we're not supposed to we're not ignorant of his devices we're not ignorant of his devices 
We have to be on guard. We have to recognize that. We have to say, oh, that old trick again? I know where that comes from. Instead of receiving it and being wounded by it over and over and over and over again, all right, I know. That's how we learn. Sometimes we do. We It does hurt. We do get wounded by it, whatever. We have to learn. Truth twisted back in the wrong direction is a, is an old, old trick of the devil. Way back here it was happening. And what did Elijah say? He answered, I have not troubled Israel. Speaking back the truth. This is why we've got to know the truth. And we've got to know God's word. Because his truth is what changes everything, sets us free. It sets us free from the demonic lies that Satan is always trying to twist back into our lives. It's the only thing that works. In this case, it's the only thing that works is the word, the word, the word, the word. Because he'll always come back at us twisting it in the wrong direction. But Elijah didn't allow it. He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house now, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. And you know, unfortunately, in Christianity, a lot of Christianity, that's unacceptable to, to, to speak the truth like that and say, no, it's your, the, cho- the choices you've made, and it's what you've done in your life that has caused this to happen. We can blame everything, you know, on the devil or on somebody else or on on whatever we want. But the truth was, it was the sin in Ahab's life that had caused him, had caused this drought. Wow. Again, I've said it to you before. There are consequences to our choices. And the consequences don't just go away. God empowers us, enables us, through them, but they don't just disappear. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Azareth to eat, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for the children of Israel, gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel, and Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. And so here Elijah begins to draw a line in the sand. And he says, okay, here we go. Let's see. Who serves the living God? Who really has the genuine article? And apparently he's not concerned about the result. And then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let him give us two bulls and let them choose one bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire, and he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So you understand that, right? He said to the Baal worshippers and servers, go ahead, here's, we got two bulls, you make a sacrifice, I'll make a sacrifice. You pray to your God, I'll pray to mine. We'll see who answers. We'll see who answers by fire. And we'll have a little contest here. So now Elijah said, okay. So they took the bull, which was given them, and they prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, now here's the words. We're learning about words, right? 
Oh, Baal, hear us. 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 Being repetitions. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar, which they had made. Now they figured, oh, now we need to get a little more excited here. We need to get a little more fired up. And we got this in the Christian world. People who are calling on the name of the Lord and and jigging and jogging and doing this and that and, and saying and that that's an anointing and, and you know, calling on, on God and calling on God and calling on God. Well, what's the result? By their fruits, you will know them. That's what the Bible says. By their, by their fruits, you will know them. Okay, so here they were. They were... They were creating quite a ruckus, and it was quite a fired-up time. So it was noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry a little louder, for he's a god. Either he is meditating, or he's busy, or he's in, on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be wakened. So they cried aloud, and now what happens? They start cutting themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. There's you got the fruit of destruction. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And when that's the fruit, something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering in the evening. So it was all day long they were doing this. All day long. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Wow, they had multitudes of words, didn't they? The words were pouring out of them. They were calling out to this this supposed God, but there was no words back. There was no answer because it wasn't a true God. And then Elijah, finally, at the end of the day, says to all the people, come here, stop it. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, and said, Pour water, fill, fill full water, parts with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar and also filled the trench with water. Now, we all know that if you want to start a good roaring fire, you don't um, pour barrels of water over your wood first, right? <laughs> that You don't drench it first, right? That's that doesn't work. That doesn't work well, right? It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. In the natural, it doesn't work. But Elijah knew that his God was supernatural. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, and listen to his words, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And I am your servant. And I have done all these things at your word. Wow. You see the confidence that we have as we walk in his word, as we're obedient to his word. Elijah was doing this in obedience to his word. Uh, we're talking about words, okay? Speaking terms. Did you get it? We have, it's crucial. We, are, we have to be on speaking terms with the Lord. Not, not, with, not with anything else. Not with anything else. 
Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back to you again. What is his, what is his, what is his desire here? That people would turn to God, not to him, not to see how wonderful he is and what a mighty prophet of God he is and he's, he's a, wow, Elijah, he's really something. If we didn't have Elijah, we'd never make it. No. No. It was, hear me, O Lord, that the people may know that you are the Lord God. Is that our heart's cry? That people may know him. Or that we don't need people connected to us. That won't do them any good at all. We need to get connected to Jesus and to our God. That you have turned their backs again. Then, what happens? The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you saw a rock burn? That was some fire. That was some fire. You build a fire. You go out in the woods and build a campfire. The rocks don't burn. They may get a little black, but they don't burn. They don't dissolve, do they? Mm -hmm. Mm. Hallelujah. The wood, the stones, the dust, and it licked up the water. It was in the trench. Water gone. No problem. Didn't smoke. Didn't smoke for for six more hours. And (laughs) Well, I mean, come on. That's what should have happened, right? (laughs) Wow. It's a lesson to be learned. Elijah was in relationship with God. He didn't have to jump up and down and holler at God and, and, you know, make a, make a big scene to show how powerful he was. No, it wasn't about him. It was about his God. Now, when all the people saw, of course, this was, I mean, who wouldn't say? The people saw it and they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. There was over 400 of them here that God executed. a tremendous, tremendous victory. And it shows us again that when we are obedient, we walk in obedience, we do what God shows us to do, when he shows us to do it, and we are hearing from him, not from evil spirits, but from him, that there's results, there's results, there's results. All of these prophets of Baal were killed at this time. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Now, it had rained in over three years. Sky was still blue, as blue could be. There was no rain cloud in sight when he said this. There is the sound of abundance of rain. It wasn't like all of a sudden there was a big thunderstorm coming in and you could hear the wind coming before the rain. It wasn't happening yet when he said this. But Elijah knew his God. And he knew that when he went and prayed and asked God to send the rain, that the rain was coming. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful. That happens. We can walk like that. We can walk like that knowing our God is going to hear our prayers. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, to walk in relationship with him and the Father, so that when, and he said that way, when you pray, you know you already have the petitions that you ask of me, because this was about relationship, about that relationship. 
But we got to be walking in that relationship, walking in the word. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but where did Elijah go? Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Quite a picture, isn't it? (laughs) Put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go now, look toward the sea. So he went and looked and said, Nope, nothing. No, no clouds. There were no clouds, no clouds in the sky. Certainly not rain clouds. If there were, a little puff cloud. And he kept sending them. He prayed some more. said, Lord, you promised. I know your word is true. Come forth, bring forth the rain. It shows us persistence in prayer. That if we pray once and it doesn't happen immediately, we don't say, oh, forget it. God doesn't hear me. I, my prayers are, are no. Enemy's always trying to twist it into untruth. We have to be wary of his devices. And so he says, Lord, I know that you told me that you would send the rain. So send the rain. And he keeps sending his servant to look to see the evidence of it. It took seven times. And the seventh time, the servant comes back and he says to him, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand. Okay, let's look at that. I mean, it's a woman's hand, but uh, what do you men raise your hands? There you go. That's not a very big cloud, is it? As clouds go. Not a very big cloud in the sky. But there's a little itty-bitty one. What does Elijah say? So he said, go up, he said. Say to Ahab, Ahab was eaten. He says, tell Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Hurry up. Get going. The rain is coming. A little cloud the size of a man's hand? Okay, come on. Let's be honest with one another. If you and me have a sunny day out there, blue sky, no clouds in the sky except for the nuclear tower, um, and we see a little, you know, cloud out there in the horizon, we don't go running for our umbrellas and raincoats and say, hurry up, you know, it's going to be a, a, a rainstorm. But this was different, wasn't it? Elijah had prayed. God had given him the cloud as a sign that it was coming. And he believed it. That was it. That was all he needed. He saw that little cloud. He said, go tell Ahab. He better hurry up because it's going to rain. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. And there was a heavy rain. (laughs) So Ahab rode away, went to Jezreel. Then the hands of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He beat the chariot. Did you get that? The Holy the Spirit of God came upon him. Ahab was in a chariot. He beat the chariot by running by running under the power of the Holy Ghost. It was a tremendous, powerful day of victory and the display of God's power because of Elijah's obedience. And we need to learn to walk in that. Now that's not the end of the story. I I'm not unfamiliar with that. That's not the end of the story. Afterwards, when Jezebel hears what happened that day, she says, that's it. I'm Elijah's dead meat. I'm, ki- I'm killing him, and she, I'm going after him. Because she was a Baal worshiper, and those were her prophets, and she was not happy camper. And so he got wind of that, and he ran for his life. He got discouraged. And you know, this is, this is truth too. After we fight the good fight of faith and have a great victory, wow. And then 
you have to run for your life, which often happens after a great victory. The enemy comes after you twice as hard. He goes off by himself and he says, just take my life. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> There's nobody else around that, that, that loves you, that follows you. And eventually God says to him, Mm-mm, not so much. There's still 7,000 or 8,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And you're not alone. And after this, God gives him Elisha. And from this point on, as we mentioned in our leadership meeting that day, once he had Elisha as his sidekick and as his servant, he never got that disheartened again. And it shows us that we can't be a solo. It's not good to be a solo and to be all alone without other believers and like-minded people in our life. We can't. We can't, we can't because that's what happens. We, something like that happens, there's a lot let down. And we go, oh, forget it. Um, I can't do it. I'm no good. Uh, <laughs> you know how it goes. He was human. It shows us. He was human. Although God used him mightily, he was human. And he needed others. He needed an Elisha. And we need one another. We don't like to admit that, but we do. We need one another to keep ourselves encouraged and walking together and following the Lord and continuing to win victories. Elijah's life wasn't over yet. God had more for him, and he had an Elisha to raise up, and Elisha's miracles were twice as much. And so, let's get in the Word more. Let's apply the Word to our hearts. Let's not just be hearers of the Word, but let's be doers of the Word. Wow, what a difference we'll see in our lives and in the lives of all those around us, too. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word, which just always instructs us and teaches us and leads us and guides us in the way that we should go. May we be good learners, good students in your school, that we will never stray from your pathway, but we will obey and see the doors that it opens and the way that it brings you into our lives and into the lives of those around us. May we truly be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.